pinch me. (laughs) I'm an author. I wrote a book, Destined for Greatness, Living an Inspired Life from Head to Tippy Toes. If you haven't already gotten your copy, you may head over to my website, sarahnoose.com, or go to Amazon and check out Sarah Noose, Destined for Greatness. I hope you enjoy. Welcome to the Destined for Greatness podcast, where we believe that each person is destined for greatness. I am your host, Sarah Noose, and I'm joined with my handsome co-host. I said that wrong, didn't I? No, I thought you did good. Oh, Adam. Hey, babe. Hey, babe. Good intro. (laughs) Nailed it. Nailed it. I know. Sorry. Well, how are you? Hey, doing great. Good. This is so fun. What is... Salt and light, Matthew 5, 13 through 16. It's the shirt that I'm wearing. I know. But yeah. what is it? Well, it's um, pointing to the Bible verse and how we are salt of the earth and the light of the world to others for Jesus. Huh. Isn't it a cool shirt? It is a cool shirt. I, did, I have seen you wear it. I didn't know what it was, though. I love it. I'm actually thinking about um, making a shirt similar to this. Um. And I'm thinking about two things because I'm thinking about my two favorite Bible verses. And actually, we did not even plan this intro, but well, it's going to be good for the next podcast for chapter 14. But for my accountability group, I want, I think, a white t-shirt or sweatshirt that says produce good fruit or um, something like that or reap and or sow and reap or something like that. I just think this is so simple. Nobody can see it. So they can only hear us talking about it, but it's wearing a white shirt and in black, it says salt and light. And then the Bible verse, Matthew five thirteen through 16. So it's super cool. Love it. You know, I got into t-shirt designing this oh. last week. Wow. Yesterday. For, why? Didn't tell you. Are you making a t-shirt? I want to make a shirt that says Karyakis, which is where our little league field is. Mm-hmm. And do it like the definition. Mm-hmm. So it's like care oh, yeah. dot E yeah. dot Ekis. Mm-hmm. And then make it like a noun or something. Yeah. And say that it is where dreams of going to Little League World Series begin. Babe, you know what is genius about that? I can never spell that word. It's I one know. of the hardest it words. It is a hard to word and it is a unique word. Yes. But we should celebrate it. Okay, so we might be in the t-shirt business. Yeah. I like it. Except I already told the uh, BGE sport, so. Okay, well. When we say we, maybe they. Well, you, yeah. And all I need it for is for when I text people and tell them where I'm going, I never know how to spell that word. So how do you spell it? K-E-I-R-E-I-A-K-E-R-S. Yeah, I've never done that. I don't know if that's right. Okay, I've never done that right. Well, we got to keep the faith, babe. Which is the title of chapter 13. <laughs> yes. My favorite chapter. Destined for greatness. Keep the faith. Yes. As macaroni and cheese is overflowing. Yep. We have Lucy home making macaroni and cheese in the background as we are trying to podcast and it's sizzling. I've never seen mac and cheese sizzle before, so oh. we might need to be worried about it. She got the cooking skills from me. <laughs> so true. So chapter 13, keep the faith. Mm-hmm. You actually stood up, share stories <laughs> about me. Yep. Which is why it's my favorite chapter. <laughs> Just kidding. You know what? It's my favorite chapter too. But certainly fun looking back at uh, the work journey and the, the dreams mm-hmm. that I've had. And then you highlighting, uh, keeping the faith. Yeah. 
So I love it. I, I just feel like, um, your work journey has been so significant in our life. Obviously you had a dream when you were, your dad says it was age seven. Is that accurate? I don't know if that's completely true. <laughs> but he was telling us a story not too long ago about how at age seven, you said, I want to work in baseball. And he certainly would remember better than I would. Right. I can't remember seven. Yes, that's right. But, yeah. Um, yeah, but you said, I know when you were 18, that that was something that was very clear in your mind of wanting to work in minor league baseball. Um, and so I just go through the story and talk about how that was a goal of yours and really how, you know, a lot of people, a lot of kids, I'd say dream of playing baseball, but I don't know how many dream about working in the front office until maybe their dreams get cut short of playing major league, but that was your goal. And it was because of people that you looked up to. So how about I toss it back to you and share, like, where did that come from? Why was that such a big thing for you? Yeah, you know, I think uh, my dad tells the story that I wanted to work in the front office early. I remember wanting to be a middle relief pitcher <laughs> for a long time. I thought yeah. middle relief, you don't have uh, quite the pressure of closing out games or starting them, but you could come in and be a hero for an inning, and, and there you go. So it felt like that was probably a pretty good job, uh, obviously, when that didn't come to life. Uh, once I was in high school, I um, had the opportunity to get to know some people uh, through Nolan Ryan and his family, mm -hmm. um, building a minor league baseball team in Round Rock, Texas. And uh, it was fun to see that that was an actual job. Mm -hmm. um, up to that point, my dad kept taking me to look at guys digging ditches at two in the morning because mm -hmm. he was a city manager and, and a lot of city plumbing issues would happen in the middle of the night. So he'd wake me up and, and tell me, um, if I don't go to college, that's a job that I could have. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and once I saw that you could work at a baseball team, uh, it seemed like a great opportunity and set my mind to it. I love it. I really love it. And what I love so much is that I got to be with you on your journey. I'll never forget when I first met you, we both had internships and you went back to Round Rock and worked for a summer while I was in Kansas City um, living with Graham and you loved it. And I remember the very first thing you did was parked cars. And what was so crazy about it is like, most people that get the job of parking cars, it's just parking cars. But to you, it was like a game. Like you wanted to make X number of dollars. You wanted to make sure you could fit as many people in the parking lot as possible. And I remember one time somebody was taking money that was the tick or the money taker for parking and pocketing some of it. And you were the manager over that and you um, cracked the case. Do you remember that? You know, I kind of... I forgot about it, but now that you say that, I uh, certainly do remember. And, and it's funny, a lot of times I'll tell people that I was a terrible intern, mm -hmm. uh, mainly because I had a different job every two weeks. But the one thing that was consistent was mm -hmm. being in charge of the parking lot. And uh, I remember taking a lot of pride in that. And maybe that's the way that I wasn't a terrible intern. Yeah. We made that parking lot the best. <laughs> you did. Best ever. I love that. I don't but know if it's still, it's I, probably improved dramatically since then. But. No, but I just remember at age 19, you were like die hard for this parking lot. And so that's what I've felt with you, no matter what your job has been. And I talk about you when we were first early married, the one of the mascots for the Corpus Christi Hooks was Sammy the Seagull. 
and it was a Saturday morning and you're like, oh, I got to go be Sammy. And you'd leave it like, it was like an early morning race. Maybe you had to be there at six dressed as a mascot, a seagull running in this race down Ocean Drive, which is a main road in Corpus Christi. As the seagull, you would do anything that you could to get there. And I feel like you knew your purpose. You had your heart set on being a general manager of a minor league baseball team and you let nothing stop you. And I just feel like that's a testament to being driven and having your mindset and having passion for what you're doing. And I think you're very, very lucky because a lot of people don't have that, but you, you do. And here you are, I'm sitting across from Dr. Adam Noose, and he is the general manager of the, you know, AAA team for the Nashville Sounds, which is so cool. Yeah. Fun to, to see kind of how it all came about. And, and as you talk it, uh, flashbacks at, uh, um, when I first got that first full-time job, we had an opportunity to get a salary. And I remember calling my dad and saying, man, they're going to pay me 25 grand to do this. And <laughs> and I just got done with a master's degree and, and 25 grand felt like a lot at the time. <laughs> and my dad was like, that's not very good. And I, <laughs> but man, I took the first offer that came and I couldn't be more excited to have gotten into the journey. And yeah. we wondered how we would ever spend that money. And Sure enough, we very easily mm-hmm. spent that money and more, Yes, I'm afraid. Yeah, when we were young married, we did. Um, another thing that really stood out to me and has stood out to me in our relationship um, and really specifically your business is I'll never forget we were living in Corpus Christi, Texas, and you were really struggling sleeping um, for a season. You would be up at night and I'd look over and you were you know, on your phone or tossing and turning or whatever. And I really believe that the more I've, you know, read the Bible and gotten to know that God does speak through people or to people in the middle of the night and through dreams and, um, through visions and all this stuff. And so I thought it was really cool. It's the middle of the night, but I'll never forget waking up one morning and you said, well, I sent an email to a team, an inquiry that I wanted to buy a minor league baseball team. And I was like, okay. And I think we were just brushing our teeth and I was like, okay. It did not phase me, Adam, because nothing phases me that you do, but you literally, we did not have the money to buy it, but you tried to buy a minor league baseball team in the Midwest. We didn't know where it was. Um, Tell us kind of what happened after that. Yeah, it said a red hot deal in the Midwest. So I felt like, hey, red hot deal, we could go (laughs) after that. So uh, put an inquiry in. I wasn't sure where we were going to find $9 million to buy a baseball team, but I was going to go try to find it. Right. And uh, for some reason, it was on my heart that we could find that money. If mm-hmm. other people can do it, why couldn't we? Mm-hmm. And uh, next thing I know, they said that they actually sold the team, but that they would put me in touch with the owners and uh, that the owners were looking to continue to raise some money and trying to buy more teams. And next thing you know, they... Uh, we're asking if I'd want to run the Bowling Green Hot Rods, which was, I guess, the first team that they had. Mm-hmm. Um, the plan was to buy nine teams. It was a company called Manhattan Sports Acquisition Fund, mm-hmm. and it was a, a fund that they were trying to raise $100 million to mm-hmm. buy a bunch of teams. And, and uh, next thing you know, we took a flight to Bowling Green, Kentucky, which we've never heard of before, <laughs> and uh, I fell in love with it here. Mm, we do love Bowling Green. Well, 
I just love, I love that story and how God just worked it all out. You know, had you not sent something to those people, you were down in South Texas. Like how would they have ever found you? But only God can position you and give you that nudge. And you took the nudge and those late nights that you were up not sleeping weren't for nothing. They actually came with major fruit. And I love that you followed your instincts and kind of kept moving forward. Love it. <laughs> so fast forward a little bit and had this job. You talk in the book about the day that I told you I can't reach my dream at 32. <laughs> and it stuck with you. It it's did. funny when the word words just fly out of your mouth and for some reason some of them stick. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think about that so much and I remember where we were and I feel like you said it maybe a few times like you were almost frustrated because you had reached your goal. The goal was to be a general manager of a minor league baseball team and you had reached it at 32. I'll never, ever, ever forget going to the press conference and you were the guy they were introducing. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, that's my husband. Of course I'm like, he's so cute. <laughs> um, but at 32, you reached, you know, your dream. And I remember correcting you and I said, you can reach your dream at 32, but now you just need a new one. And so I think that's been the big thing for me. It was actually a learning lesson. Like we can have dreams and goals and the goal is to reach them, but then have more dreams and goals. And so you did after a while, you thought, I want to run a triple A team. And the thing about you, Adam, is that you keep having dreams and goals and keep moving forward to try to reach them. And then it became, I want to be a doctor. I want to, I want to get my doctorate. And there's nothing I believe that you can't do if you set your mind to it. What is your frame of thought with that, with reaching more? And dare I put you on the spot and say, what's the next dream? Well, except uh, not, not including bench press. Cause we've already gone over that. And if that's your big dream, I'm going to stop you there. I'm going to actually ask a business dream, a business dream. So I would, um, First, say one of the, as you were talking, a flashback to um, when I got the job with the Nashville Sounds, it was the first time that I was afraid to tell my mentor, one of my mentors, about this opportunity because he would want it. Mm -hmm. And, uh, <laughs> That's so, and so cool. it was kind of fun to, uh, one of my mentors for the whole way through, every time something came up, I, I was asking him, what should I do next? Mm -hmm. And then kind of reached a stage that I was like, man, this is such a big job and cool job that um, if I tell him about it, he might go after it. <laughs> and so right. I was hesitant to, to loop him in. And um, it was just more of a testament of uh, how far he's helped me get. Mm -hmm. And uh, but kind of a funny. I like that. Funny goal to mm -hmm. to reach past your mentor. Mm -hmm. and, uh, That's actually really cool. So, yeah. But I don't know my long-term goal. Mm -hmm. I, don't, yeah. I don't know what it is. I kind of struggle with, like, it would be fun to buy a team one day. Mm -hmm. It'd be fun to, um, I don't know if the NFL or NBA or Major League Baseball mm -hmm. is out there, but um, guys like Reed Ryan, president mm -hmm. of business operations for the Astros, mm -hmm. uh, feels like a job I could do. But yeah. I don't know. Yeah. The cool thing is, is that you are doing so much with the sounds and, you know, leading that team so beautifully. And what I love is that every year you come up with new stuff there, You're, you and your team um, come up with new things from glow to 
concerts to different events. How about a rodeo? Is that like in, could that happen? Yeah, kinda, rodeo could happen. I kind of feel like I want to put that out there and maybe that's not a dream or goal of yours, but I think the rodeo in Texas is so fun that, I mean, do we even have them here? I think, so can I put that on the table? Yeah. If, yeah. if we pull off a rodeo, um, <laughs> we could definitely do that. But it is interesting and you have built businesses, but uh, five years into this business, it, uh, it's just so fun to watch it grow and, and the people that are there. And we've kind of gotten to a point that our core people mm-hmm. uh, haven't left in a long time. So mm-hmm. uh, really operating at a, at a smooth level and, and it's fun what we can create. And so it makes it a little bit of a challenge to actually go and um, think about changing and think about going into a different industry because it got such a good thing going right now. Yeah, I love it. Well, it reminds me of, you know, thinking about I was speaking at an event not too long ago and there was a lady, you know, a lot of what I talk about is reaching our dreams and goals. And she came up to me after the event and she's older, maybe like. I don't know, 65 or something. And she said to me, um, Sarah, I don't have a goal. Like that's not something that excites me. And it made me shift my thinking is maybe you don't have a dream or goal and maybe like goal setting is not a big thing for you, but I want to challenge our listeners that you still have a purpose. Like God created us on purpose for a purpose. And if you're still living and breathing, then God's still using you. And so maybe it's not a big dream or goal for a big job or a big opportunity, but you have purpose right where you live in your, on your street, in your neighborhood, in your community. And so if you're sitting here listening and being like, all right, I've kind of been there, done that. If you are not seeking something that maybe seems like a notable write down dream or goal, I would challenge to ask what is your purpose and what are you doing with your days? I think that's really important. You know, one of the uh, book titles uh, when we were coming up with Destined for Greatness, Mm -hmm. one of them was uh, one option was to keep your, the grass green where your feet Mm -hmm. are. What was that? Mm -hmm. that It was. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Grass green where your feet are. And, uh, and I think that's kind of probably, to what you're talking about. As long as you're still living, mm-hmm. God can still use us. And, yeah. and sometimes I think you you fight for this big career goal, but um, and once you get there, uh, how do you just continue to water it and, mm-hmm. and make it the best you can and and uh, wait for the good Lord to keep blessing you? Mm-hmm. I love that. That is so, so true. So good. So in this chapter, mm-hmm. change it up a little bit. Okay. You get into talking about going to Thailand. Mm which I kind of was pushing for you to not go to Thailand. <laughs> you were going to leave us for two weeks, but mm-hmm. uh changed your life. Yeah, yeah. How about you uh, jump into some of the chilling stories that you have yeah. on it? Yeah, so crazy. I remember not really knowing... My, I, like, I didn't have much background on it, but I went with a group um, with, with an organization called World Help, and um, I knew that they went and helped people what I did know is that they were going into the sex industry in the red light district and um, talking to women and, and young girls who have been pulled into the sex slavery. And I kind of was like, man, what am I doing, God? Like, I wanted to be part of it, something big like this, but this was big 
dark and heavy. And if I'm honest, I was like, ah, the sex industry, um, human trafficking, that's kind of freaks me out. Like I don't, that doesn't really <laughs> appeal to me. You were interested in the orphan kids yes. in Africa. Yes. Yes. A little bit different. Yeah. I wanted to go rock babies. But, um, what I think is so cool is God wasn't calling me there. He was calling me to Thailand and my world changed. And really what happened was we went night after night in the red light district and saw girls that were really selling themselves for money to feed their family. They had to do what they were doing to be able to provide for their family. But then in the daytime, I was able to walk in the slums of Bangkok and Pattaya and see where these people lived. And they were selling themselves for next to nothing to be able to provide rice for their children. And there was a village full of children that didn't have parents. And men were pretty much not there. And there's women, dare I say women, because they were young, young, young girls that, um, and then these kids stayed home, but there was this beautiful orphanage and we got to go visit these kids. Many of all, all of the parents were, you know, trapped in sex slavery. And so I'll never forget kind of wondering why I was there. And my friend, Noel, who's the president of world help, she said, Sarah, you want to dance with the kids? And we didn't speak the same language. And when we came in, they were pretty shy. But when I put on our music, we connected in such a beautiful way. And I remember thinking I wanted Tippy Toes to be in some way a ministry. And, you know, we're, we're a dance company, so we're not a ministry. And it was there in that moment when I put on the music and saw these kids dancing to our music. And actually, it was so cool because I wrote a song um, really like six months before not knowing I was going to Thailand and it was called, um, learn from one another. And it talks about how we can, you know, we might look different, talk different, but you know, we can dancing is the, you know, language for us. And we started dancing to that. And I started crying thinking, Lord, I am in ministry. Like, although I'm a dance teacher and run a dance business, like I'm impacting these people. And then I realized my purpose, um, and my goal is to share Jesus with everyone I meet. And I really have a goal of traveling the world with you and our kids because I got to see so much of God through the darkness and got to bring light in such a dark place. And so talking about purpose, it wasn't really clear to me until that day. And um, it was impactful to me and world help is significant in our life. And I hope to continue, you know, that's the reason I want to sell books is I want people to learn about them. I want, you know, to be able to help in all the ways we can. And so there's where I found my great purpose. I love it. And you were scheduled to go to Peru. Mm -hmm. Yes. Dang coronavirus. Coronavirus. But you know what? It's not going to stop us. I hope that there's another trip coming up. And um, I hope with every trip that I learn more and we can invest more and bring light and share more with all the people, um, you know, that are here that don't know, you know, about everything happening around the world. I love it. So a lot of the listeners and readers of your book come to you trying to fine tune their purpose. Mm -hmm. So what do you have to say to them? Yeah. I think you have to lean in to your God given gifts. That's like where it all starts. And you know, God gives us the desires of our heart. It's very clear. And so one of my big things is 
don't deny the desires of your heart. If you love to draw and art comes natural to you, lean into that and God will keep guiding you. I mean, my thing was dance and lo and behold, I show up in Thailand teaching dance to kids who don't speak the same language as me. And I, God was very present there. And so same with you in baseball, like you've been able to impact so many people through what you do. And so I say, lean into those God given gifts and talents and lean in hard and see where God leads you. Because what I know about our God is that he always opened doors. He always opens doors and we just have to be ready to say yes. So be ready to say yes to the opportunities and God will blow your mind. I love it. And always a good reminder that even though Thailand is obviously a huge need, uh, we have learned that two miles down the road from our house Mm -hmm. with curbside ministries, there's Mm -hmm. um, needs without having to go all the way to Thailand. And you can fill such a purpose in your own neighborhood in your own mm-hmm. city. Yeah, that's so true. And I was talking to Terry Sheldon, who's the founder of Curbside the other day, and she was talking about her goal. And she said, I want to saturate Bowling Green with the love of Jesus. And I thought, I love that word saturate, like how great to saturate the world or the, our community. And so we can do that right here in our very own backyard. And no matter where you're listening, like lean into those ministries and those places. And because at the end of our life, this little vapor of life that we get here on earth, um, what are we doing and what are we called to do? And it's to talk to Pastor Bill, bring as many people to heaven as we can before we die, period. (laughs) And uh, it kind of goes with the line of we need to do eternal work Mm -hmm. in this temporary life. Yes. Just a a fog. Yes, so true. I love seeing you do it through your gifts and talents and um, just being a light, Adam, to so many people. And your story sheds light on that. Thanks, babe. All right. Well, that's a fun chapter. Good chapter. Chapter 13. My favorite one yet. (laughs) Love you, bud. Keep the faith. Hey, it's Sarah Noose, and I believe that you are destined for greatness. Do you have a dream inside of you? You think about wanting more out of life? Well, I have seen incredible life change happen all across the country by women who have signed up for my four-week accountability group. I would love to offer you the opportunity for real life change. Head on over to saranoose.com and sign up. There's limited spots available, but I would love to get to know you, have you join, and watch you conquer your dreams. If this podcast was helpful, it would mean the world to me to have you rate it, review it, and share it on social media. Social media is a big place, and to reach more people, I would love your help. Thank you for joining us today, and remember, you are destined for greatness.